You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality, and Christian Miller, a national championship-winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. mean to join what's a relatively small list of quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks that have won a Super Bowl? It would be, uh, be an honor. I think it'll be, it'd be awesome. It'll be awesome. I think that's what we work for. Um, any individual out there that puts on a uniform, uh, has this opportunity to play this game, we put so much work into it. Everybody wants to be the best. And there's only a select few uh, number of guys that you know, take those steps and take advantage of these moments and these opportunities and um, definitely work hard for moments like this and opportunities like this. So, um, you know, it's, 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 it's another step. Uh, Jalen, do you, are you a superstitious guy because the past two Arizona Super Bowl champions have stayed here at this resort and on this Indian reservation and no kind of have the accommodations I, been? I had no idea that... Um, uh, I, I kind of focus on the process of, of working and doing all those things, so I really don't um, get caught up in that. But I guess that's cool. The combination. Hey, welcome into the program. And you just heard from Jalen Hurts. Jalen's getting ready to play the big game in just a little over 48 hours. Speaking of the big game, hey, this is big noon. You got Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and then you've got CM1 and CM2. That's Christian Miller 1 and then Corey Miller, and uh, they are with us. Hey, Pastor Payne, how you doing? Give me your thoughts on Sunday. Well, good Friday, guys. Hope you're doing well. I am on the way back from speaking engagement here in Dallas, and uh, looking forward to a great weekend. And I heard Jalen speaking right there. You know, I'm sitting there thinking, guys, uh, you know, I'm going back and forth on this football game because I don't know which way to go. I'm, I'm really – just torn, you know, my heart wants Jalen, obviously, to win his first Super Bowl and to, to all the naysayers in the past, the negativity that surrounded him and he'd never make it in the NFL and couldn't throw, you know, came up second in the MVP voting and now to win a Super Bowl would be just absolutely amazing. But I look on the other side and there's, there's Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> the best quarterback in football. He's on a trajectory to be the next go to pick team to to win at the rate they are winning. Um, I want to say Philadelphia because I think when you look at the roster overall, right, you go, Philadelphia has the best team. They have the best offensive line. They have the, uh, you know, they have the best defense. They have the best secondary, you know, advantage. Uh, the Eagles. But how can you bet against Patrick Mahomes? They just finds a way to get things done. Uh, the offensive line has the number one pass block, class protection rate. In the NFL, they keep him upright. Although he plays breakdown, we know how he performs off schedule. Um, the defense, is, they can be good, but they also can be very vulnerable. But I think they'll do enough to make some plays. The key is stopping the running game. You know, Jalen, make Jalen throw for 350 yards and three touchdowns. Make them beat you running the football. And I think the Eagles are going to be able to do that. You know, Jalen don't have to put up gaudy numbers. Uh, you know, he, he can throw for 200 and then rush for 80. 
end up with three total touchdowns, and they went. Um, and, and so I think Kansas City is going to get up to stop the run, and they're going to put eight in the box. But those linebackers and those safeties are going to be in flux. And I think, you know, Devontae with those slants, those RPOs, running slants, Lego slant goes. Then you got the Browns who go across the middle. I think they're going to cause a problem. I think the Eagles are going to win this game. And I said this on the show up in Charlotte. I think it's going to be 10 plus points. Wow. 10 plus. Well, you just kind of gave us the breakdown of the, the uh, points of emphasis for the Eagles. What do you think the Chiefs need to do in order to have a chance to win this football game? Number one, defensively, they got to stop the run, Christian. I mean, you know that that's the big thing. And, and uh, Philadelphia's offense is predicated on running the football, getting you to mess up, getting you to make mistakes in the RPO game. You know, you got to defend it like you're defending the option. You got to play disciplined football. They're gonna they're gonna really take advantage of the mistakes that you make defensively. They got to stop the run. They got to make Jalen Hurts. They got to get Philadelphia in third and long. They got to make it very obvious pass situations. Now this is where Kansas City is really good. They can rush the pass with Frank Clark and those guys uh, up the middle. They're really, really good with Jones. Uh, the secondary can be very opportunistic, but they have to get Philadelphia in those third and longs. If they don't, if they don't get them in third and longs, they keep it where it's a fifty-fifty type game, run pass. They're gonna make mistakes defensively. So I one one, they got to be able to get on first down, get Philadelphia in in those third and longs. From an offense standpoint, Patrick Mahomes can't turn the football over. He has to be good. He can't try to do too much. You know, he can't listen to the outsiders saying this is all on your shoulders. Uh, if their receivers are healthy for the most part, I think they're going to be good. But I think they have to run the football. They haven't ran the football very well. They've been very, very predictable offensively. And that Philadelphia defensive front, you know, with Red, uh, the Red Mills guys, they're going, they're going to come after you, right? They're going to, they're going to blitz you. They're going to. They're going to edge rush you. They don't have to bless you. They can get that to a four. Um, so, um, you know, it's going to be interesting. But Andy Reid, a master two weeks. I mean, the guy comes up with a game plan. He's going to do foolish stuff like spin around in the huddle and come out and run plays. You know, he'll come up with something, some type of concoction that's going to give them some advantages. So uh, it's going to be a really good game. But I think in the end, it's going to be the running game of Philadelphia. Um, that they get to done. I think, you know, Patrick Mahomes may throw for 400 yards, but uh, I don't know if that's going to be enough to beat the Eagles football team. As much as I hate to say that because I hate the Eagles, I hate where I'm at right now in Dallas, but I, I, I love Jalen and what he's about, his uh, winning attitude. So it's going to be a fun game to watch, but I still think the Eagles going to win by 10. Oh, okay, well, I guess Lars isn't with us right now, but so tell tell us what you got going on. You said you're in the Dallas airport. Fill, fill us in on what you got going. Well, I'm on the way back home. I was here uh, in Dallas for the Shrine of International. Uh, they kick up their conference. I've, I've done several of them in Tampa Bay and Houston, and this was in Dallas. I was a keynote speaker and uh, just really talking about, you know, helping the, the fundraising efforts to to get money to uh, help fund these hospitals, you know, for children. I was trying to show that you see a lot of the commercials with Alec, who's a good friend of mine who I've gotten a chance to know. And these kids that, uh, you know, have issues, orthopedic issues, things like that, uh, club foot, these, all these things that they're able to fix. Um, even burn situations. They got burn centers around the country in Galveston, I believe. And uh, one's going to be popping up in Charleston and Augusta. 
um, they're part of, I think. So, uh, you know, the whole thing with the Shriners, I know people think about the fun and the parties that you see them having, but, but they do a lot of great things uh, for the hospital, children's and families. I mean, transportation is free. Everything is paid. So if you got a, a young kid with some orthopedic issues or burn issues, I mean, you want to look at anywhere that the ho- uh, hospitals or the Shriners are affiliated because they do such a great job with helping the kids. I mean, even outside this country. So I'm here for that. I'm on the way back home. And a matter of fact, just ran into my good friend, uh, Jim Saunafield, of the Blowfish. He was just sitting there talking with me. Uh, he's been out here doing, uh, promoting his book called Swimming with the Blowfish. And uh, we did a thing uh, last week uh, at, at a Bible college together. He's he actually been here in Austin and Dallas the same time I was. So we're back on the same flight headed back to Columbia. And I'm looking forward to Super Bowl weekend, man. Have you got a quick flight here? Can you hang through a segment? Yes, I'm good. Right I, on I'm the board. About 15 minutes. Okay. Because I, I, I want to ask you this before we go to break. I just find it some of the periphery that we can talk about because the Super Bowl is such an event. It's not just a football game. We all know that. But, uh, hey, what's your favorite snack and drink while you're watching the Super Bowl? I think we just lost Corey. Hamburger mix is really good. Okay. All right. Uh, We're going to take a break here, gentlemen. We're going to try and gather all of the cats that have made up this show. Uh, That does not include Corey Miller because I know where he is. I know where uh, Christian is. I'm not sure I know where I am. But uh, when we get back, we're trying to loop bars. And, and, and it really, it's, and, and, and you, both of you guys know this. Corey, from your length, your lengthy time and experience, and, and Christian, from your short, uh, sometimes, technically, it just decides that every gnome in the world is going to climb through your equipment. And evidently, that's what's happened today. When we come back, promise, we're going to straighten it out. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. With Taco Casa, you know, it's not really fast food because it's made fresh every day in the store. The quality hasn't changed. The consistency hasn't changed because we haven't. 38. Tomorrow, cloudy and colder with periods of rain, the high 52. And Sunday, a clearing sky with a high at 53. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 57 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Welcome back in Big News Sports. Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson, Christian Miller, and Corey Miller. Of course, Corey Miller played eight years in the National Football League for the New York Giants football team and then finished his career with the Minnesota Vikings, played in a Super Bowl. Uh, can you talk about what it was like, not the actual game, because we could probably go on there forever about, about that, but just the, just the overall, uh, you know, the, the chaos, the parties, 
the practices? How, how do you do all that? Well, you know, that's one thing Chris and I talked about on the podcast was with Jalen and with, you know, how will he handle all the, the theatrics, all the, the outside stuff that's going to be going on, the demand for tickets, Every, everybody going to call you on tickets, everybody going to call Avion, family members, cousins, Ray Ray, Bonquisha, everybody feel like they should get a ticket, you know, so you're going to shut your phone off, you're going to have to, you know, do some things to try not to, to really get so distracted, and, um, you know, you got parties, the maximum party, the baseball party, everybody's got a party, NFLPA party. You know, you can't do any of that stuff. And I go back <clears throat> to the Buffalo Bills. They lost four straight Super Bowls, and the reason was they couldn't handle all the all the distractions, the party. You know, they they were known to like to have a couple of Jim Beans and Cokes, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, so um, you know, if you get caught up into that, you're going to have a problem. And so, you know, you got to be real disciplined and, and, and monitoring your time and that type of thing. You're going to have so many demands, all the media day stuff, uh, handle that. And then, then really like the Thursday, Friday, you really start getting the focus on the game. I want to uh, ask you real quick, I don't know if you got to watch some of the NFL honors last night. They uh, presented the awards from the 22, uh, 2022 season. Uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes was named most valuable player. Uh, Brian Dabble was coach of the year. Geno Smith, comeback player of the year. Uh, yeah, Nick Bosa being named defensive player of the year. Uh, was there anything on that, any, anybody on that list that, that kind of surprised you, that you, anybody felt like uh, might have gotten snubbed, um, you know, in the awards last night? No, I, you know, I, I think they got it all right. I think many people probably would have said, you know, coach of the year, maybe Doug Peterson uh, down at Jacksonville, you know, getting into the playoffs, winning a playoff game, or losing a close game to the AFC champions, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. I think you might could make an argument for Doug Peterson. You might make an argument for Nick Sirianni. Uh, but Brian Dayball, what the Giants did, nobody expected them uh, to, to be a playoff team and uh, compete the way they did, first-year coach. Uh, listen, I think they got it all right. I mean, Nick Bosa was amazing. Um, you know, MVP Jalen would have had more of a chance had he stayed healthy, but he missed those couple of games. So it was a runaway for Patrick Mahomes and the Bolton suggested just that. So out of all the awards, you know, the rookie of the year, you no know, things like that, offensive defense rookie of the year, I thought those were good picks. Uh, you know, both of those came from the New York Jets. That says a lot about what they've been drafting. So, I was okay with uh, how everything turned out. Speaking of the Jets, a name that's been linked to them uh, in recent days uh, has been Aaron Rodgers and his um, ability to, to potentially uh, help them take that next step if he were to play elsewhere outside of Green Bay. So I'm curious, do you see Aaron Rodgers playing next season as if he does play? I think he's still uh, trying to decide that. And if you do, where do you see him playing? Do you see him staying in Green Bay or do you see him playing elsewhere uh, like a team like the Jets maybe? I Christian, I think they're ready to move on from Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I think it's time. I think it's time to, to divorce that marriage to end. Uh, if he wants to play, I think everybody in New York, the Jets fans, would welcome him, no doubt about it. I mean, that's what they're missing. Um, and with the, they got a good defense. They got some good players, good young players. They would be a great fit. But, I mean, Aaron is so weird. I mean, where is he right now? Somewhere in the land of darkness for four days? <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> what, what in the world is he doing? I mean, so I, I think 
from a talent perspective, yes. Yeah, great fit. Could definitely elevate this team and, and put, make them a, a playoff contender. But who knows? You just don't know what this dude Aaron Rodgers. He's so weird and uh, how his thinking is. I, I, I just don't know. But I think I would love to see him in, with the Jets and see what he can do. Think about it. Last Green Bay quarterback ended up with the Jets, Brett Favre. Remember that? He wouldn't have played for the Jets if things didn't work out so well. All right, I was going to get Lars to try and jump in here. We're still having a, a little bit of a difficulty. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm Corey, loading up here. Yes, sir. Yeah, you, you, you're you're probably southern, uh, suffering the wrath here as well. Uh, the one thing I wanted to note, guys, is that I, I thought this was really cool, and, and I believe I read this right, but Mahomes MVP, Hertz was second. I think Josh Allen might have been third. But someone or uh, someones uh, decided to put Denny Kellington in there. He is the assistant manager that uh, led with the injury on field with the Buffalo Bills. And I thought that was really, really cool that somebody had that foresight to vote him. I don't know if y'all saw that, if they mentioned it in the telecast or anything like that, but, Corey, I thought that was a really, really cool tip of the cap somebody did to, to uh, Danny. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, I think that that's amazing to to have that mindset to think of those guys, you know, Buffalo and uh, saving a man's life. I was just with one of my friends who's a scout for the Bills, and, you know, he was talking about that whole situation, how that man died on the field, and, and they resuscitated him and got him back, and I mean, just an amazing, amazing uh, uh, situation uh, with those doctors. Definitely needs to be highlighted. And I think they should give them a special award based on what they accomplished from a, 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 a you know, physical standpoint or medicine standpoint of how they uh, got that man back. And, and the report is that he will play football again, which is, is a miracle in itself. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. That was pretty cool. All right, I know you probably got to run, you uh, crunch for time, but real quick, uh, just before you go, all right, so I, I think you said you're leaning Eagles, but give us a quick, you know, score prediction who you think is going to win. And I know you said probably Eagles by 10 plus, but you got a specific score maybe? You know, I think it's going to be something like 31 21. Um, but, you know, I got two hour flight. I might change my mind, Chris. I mean, <laughs> you know, we, we talked talk about this on Miller's Edge. I think I'm leaning more heart, you know, with Devontae and those boys, Landon, Jalen, Job. I mean, I, I'm committed to folks that you play with, and I pull for them so hard, but it's the Eagles. I don't want to hear, hear them, their, their mouths. I mean, it's, it'll be hard for them. You know, it's gonna, they just make you miserable when they win. But I, I really just think Patrick Mahomes, uh, where he fits in history, he hears he hear the scuttlebutt of, uh, who's going to be the greatest is he the next goat? So I think that's going to be a situation that, that's riding on his shoulders. So I'm going to stay 31-21 fly, Eagles fly. But, again, hit me up about three hours. I may change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Corey, uh, as you board, tell everybody how they can listen to Miller's Edge. Yeah, right on YouTube. Uh, Miller's Edge on YouTube. Christian does all that stuff. He's great at it. and. Of course, I always tweet about Pastor Payne 57 on Twitter. Also, Pastor Payne on Instagram, and we we, we put clips out there for you. And then we're gonna we're gonna turn this thing up with some gas, and um, you know we're gonna pick it back off big noon sports. We want to be big big afternoon uh, with Miller's Edge, man. And ah. We got two 
former edge rushers, we're going to sack them. We're going to sack them, baby. We're bringing the pressure. So, uh-huh. uh, you know, like and subscribe to the Miller's Edge and see a father-son combo, which is pretty cool. Love it. It's it's very cool. Indeed. Uh, well, thank you. Get on the plane. Have a very, very safe flight and uh, have a fun Super Bowl. I think it's going to be. Well, guys, if you saw what I just tweeted. You know, I'm at the Dallas airport and it's pretty much like the Cowboys. Very inconsistent. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. Appreciate it, as All always. Right. Um. Lars, would you? I mean, excuse me, uh, Christian. Would you have voted for Hertz or Mahomes? You know, it's that's tough, Matt. It's, uh, I think Jalen's injury uh, kind of set him back just a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I could see it going both ways. I mean, the job that Jalen's done this season. Um, not only that, but I've always been a huge proponent. When we talk about MVP, it literally stands for Most Valuable Player. And I feel that Jalen truly was the most valuable player in terms of what he brought to his team, the success that they're having. I truly uh, believe that if he wasn't out there, they would not have the season that they've had. I know some people were skeptical and saying, oh, it doesn't matter who you throw in at quarterback. They they have the best offensive line. They've got A.J. Brown. They've got Devontae Smith. I mean, anybody could play quarterback in that system. But um, we saw Gardner Minshew step in against Dallas, I believe, and and, and he did a good job. But it still, it wasn't wasn't anything like it was with Jalen back there. So, I think Jalen could have very well been deserving of it because, because again, the, the definition is most valuable player. I feel like he's most valuable to his team, but you could say the same thing about the Chiefs and, and Patrick Mahomes. You know, you take him out of there, exactly. and they would be lost. Granted, his backup came in and led him to a 98-yard <laughs> drive uh, when he was uh, first injured with that ankle injury. So, man, it's tough, but I, I – at the end of the day, I think they got it right. You know, I think Patrick Mahomes just this season is just displayed again, time after time, that he's arguably the best quarterback in the NFL right now. Um, he's just uh, so talented, and uh, he he just makes things happen out of nothing. He's just a joy to watch. Uh, truly spectacular football player. So I think they got it right, but um, I, I think that's definitely going to light a fire inside of Jalen, knowing how close he was to it. And I think, if anything, this is going to further motivate him uh, to continue to improve and just go back out there and do what he does. Uh, he still has a chance to win a Super Bowl as well as Super Bowl MVP, um, which would be a, a magnificent, massive accomplishment. Uh, so I think he's focused on that right now. And uh, again, I think this will just provide him some motivation going into next season. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. We haven't really even touched what may be the biggest story in the South. It certainly is, as far as the SEC is concerned. But welcome, Longhorns and Sooners. Summer of 2024. we got to talk about that and the cost for these teams to get to the Southeastern Conference. They better hope for a big payoff. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Pay not attorney spokesperson, the settlement specialist is responsible for the content of this ad. Attention all women who use popular hair straighteners or relaxers like Motion, Dark and Lovely, Olive Oil Relaxer, or Organic Root Stimulator. If you or a lover... News, so can't uh, probably hard to take a day off from paying attention to what's going on in the college sports space. Uh, but yes, it's uh, uh, we, 
we were excited, obviously, when, when we originally announced the news that Texas and Oklahoma would be coming to the Southeastern Conference. And we've been working on some of the logistics and what that looks like over the last couple of years. And then to have that be moved up to July 1st, 2024, I think there was something that sounds like the Big 12 was interested in having happen. And, and Texas and Oklahoma were too, and, and we were. Now, you know, we've already started doing scheduling discussions and what that looks like, but uh, that speeds up the time frame a little bit, knowing that it will be a year early, earlier than what we originally expected. But their, their rich traditions and performance in so many sports is going to gonna be a wonderful addition to our conference and, and certainly excited when they get to be here and be permanent members. There you have Commissioner of the Southeastern Conference, Greg Sankey, talking about the addition of Texas and Oklahoma July of 24. Well, I heard this late last night, early this morning, catching up on it. I kind of went, really? Uh, because I, I felt like what we little bit of information we had been provided that it was just going to be too quick and that it would likely be 2025. So I'll ask you, Christian, were you surprised that they were able to do it by 24? I know in, in our general lifetime, you know, our, our, our own personal life, life you know, my, our timeline, uh, the summer of uh, 24 seems a pretty good distance away. When you're dealing with 16 teams and, I don't know, 20 sports, men's, women's, uh, all of the mathematics involved in this and the payouts and that kind of stuff and the television, uh, it's not a very long time. Were you surprised that the SEC was able to do this so quickly? Uh, to answer your question, yeah, I, I was. But at the same time, I don't really understand how a lot of this stuff works. I mean, as a player, I kind of <laughs> always focus on just playing uh, so I, I get, get kind of lost with all the, the metrics of the, the teams and conferences. And I'm just kind of focused on, you know, doing what I'm doing. But um, it, it, it seems to me that that would be a pretty difficult task to, to have two teams join um, a whole new league. But I think they're good fits. They they kind of uh, feel like SEC teams in terms of, you know, like Greg Byrne, if uh, you know, he alluded to kind of just the, the traditions and, um, you know, I feel like they're a good fit. I hope they're ready uh, for the challenge ahead because uh, it's definitely nothing like what they're they're used to. I can guarantee that. So uh, I hope they're ready for some big boy football because uh, that's what they're in store for. But I think it's great for the league. It's a great addition. However, I just want to make sure it doesn't interfere with any of the previous rivalries, the big games. You know, I hope they just stick with. Uh, I hope they go with the, those like the three and six, or the whatever the numbers is where they have three permanent opponents. Because I feel, you know. For example, you know, Alabama, right? You know, we have to keep Tennessee as a permanent opponent. We have to keep Auburn. Absolutely. Uh, you know, so I feel like it may be LSU, I guess, would be the third one. Maybe I'm missing one. It's not slipping my mind. But, um, yeah, I just as long as those type of matchups um, aren't interfered with, those stay the same, I'm, I'm good with it. Um, and, and unless there's other factors in it that could be negative uh, consequences of them coming, but I'm not sure. Again, just as a player, I, I don't really know the details in, in terms of adding teams, but um, it definitely creates more competition. There's going to be a lot more uh, prominence amongst the SEC. I already was you know, probably biased, but always felt like it was the best conference just because playing in it and knowing the competition level um, is the pinnacle of college football, in my opinion. Now it's uh, even richer with, with these two teams. So uh, I'm excited for it, uh, definitely earlier than, than I thought it would be, but uh, looking forward to seeing them uh, come and compete with, with the big boys now. Matt, we, we've been talking about this uh, for a yeah, while. Good. There's Lars. Yeah, sorry. 
I know. I suddenly appear out of uh, nowhere. But um, we've been talking about Oklahoma and Texas joining the SEC in, in 2024 for a while. And the metaphor I've used for, for Texas and Oklahoma, it's like they've been through a divorce, they're divorced, and yet they have to live with their ex-spouse. Not for one year, but for two years. And what do you want to do? You just want to get the hell out. And so this came down to money. And uh, and really, it came down to Fox agreeing to uh, let this happen. And so uh, as a part of the deal, um, Fox is getting uh, a portion of the more than $100 million in exit fees that Oklahoma and Texas have to pay in order, uh, to compensate them for losing uh, the equivalent of seven games of Texas and Oklahoma football. And then also uh, a key part of the deal was uh, flipping a game uh, between Michigan and Texas. Um, Texas is now going to visit Michigan in 2024, right? And so that means it's a Fox game. And then uh, in, 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 then they'll play again in 2027. Well, Fox wanted that game in, in 2024, so, anyway, so, so concessions were made to Fox to get them to sign off on the deal. I mean, you know, it, it, it always, always, it always, always, always comes down to money. You can figure out scheduling and and you can you can do that relatively quickly. But it, it's just uh, the the key issue is is cash, as you know, Matt. Yeah, and, but sometimes, um, and and I think this is a worthwhile topic. I, I like to set all that aside. And goodness knows we will have conversations on how they're going to do this as far as scheduling is concerned because Christian's right. you got to keep Alabama-Auburn and Alabama-Tennessee, and I'll bet they make every effort and successfully to keep those games intact. you got to have Georgia-Florida. Come on, people. Exactly. I mean, that, that has to be. But what, what my point is is that the overall expansion, and I, I mean nothing to Missouri and Texas A&M, uh, Arkansas, South Carolina, the recent additions. But I, I hope people are, in my case, old enough uh, or skilled enough or they understand how huge that is. This is like if, um, all right, if the Big 12 were to get Tennessee and Alabama, getting Oklahoma and Texas. And, folks, we're not just talking about football, although that's the bell cow. These teams, ask Alabama if they play good basketball in Oklahoma, okay? It is monumental to get teams with this much exposure, this much fan support into the Southeastern Conference. And it will do what this league has been doing for, what, the last 20? It's going to kick every other league's butt. And it's just wonderful. I, 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 I kind of get bubbly, Lars and, and Christian, when I start thinking about, hey, uh, Man, uh, Arkansas, Oklahoma, is that going to be cool? You know, and, and you can just think of the di- different – Texas and Florida. Does that not just – am I no, am I, I, go, I agree. a little giddy here? I agree completely. It just completely. fires me up. I agree completely, Matt, and, and I, I love that the rich is getting richer, and, and I love um, the ideas of these matchups in, in terms of just even uh, more competitive uh, teams joining the league. Again, it seems like a monopoly now in terms of the SEC just having – the best of the best, but I'm genuinely curious. Your thoughts, uh, both of you guys, um, what does this do to the other conferences? Is 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 this 
Uh, and obviously it is probably hurting over other conferences, but what's y'all's take on, you know, the Pac-12 and, and, and the Big 12 and the ACC, you know, after the SEC is gaining these two prominent teams, you know, is, is this uh, signaling the end of another conference? Uh, do y'all have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I definitely think it signals the end of probably the Pac-12. Um, I think we're headed toward uh, four super conferences and uh, the elimination of the Pac-12. Because the Big 12 uh, on July 1, they're officially adding BYU, Central Florida, Cincinnati, and Houston. And so they're going to compete as a 14-team league this upcoming season and then drop down to 12 once Texas and Oklahoma leave. But, um, you know, it, it's going to be a, a, a turf war here. And it does the SEC stay at 16? Um, you know, we, we've seen the, the Big Ten already, their, their response in, in getting uh, U.S. What they got USC and UCLA. Is that correct, Matt? I, I think the USC and UCLA are joining the Big Ten. Yes, um, that is and, true. And so, yeah, so, yeah, so there's this, this, this land rush, right? And... Um, Somebody's going to get squeezed out, and I'm guessing it's the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 has just they've, they've lost uh, the, the LA market, uh, the Big Ten, and uh, we're just I, I just think we're growing closer and closer to either a four-team super conferences, either I'm sorry, either four super conferences or three super conferences, with the uh, the, the Big Ten and the SEC are obviously like the 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 two heavyweights right now and and i think the the like the, the question is going to become who is going to be that third and fourth conference right it, the acc you would think could absorb some really good teams right I, so i would think the acc would be okay um and uh i think the, the, the it's going to come down probably between big 12 and pac 12 eventually to see do you which which way will this go? Will, will teams want to flock out of the Pac-12 because uh, the the the, uh, the LA market has been lost, or you know does the Pac-12 have some sort of counter move uh, that will keep them as viable as possible? Um, but you know, right now, if you look at the Pac-12. Uh, Oregon should be the the dom- Oregon and Washington should be the dominant teams out there for the next uh, for the next few years, um, but I don't know that that that's that's my analysis is that one of these big conferences is going to eventually evaporate evaporate, and I'm guessing that's going to be the Pac-12. What, what do you think, Matt? Well, I, I think this is going to sound kind of dumb because it does sound kind of dumb. I, I think the Big 12 is in a very good position. I know, hey, Matt, remind, who did they just lose? Well, they lost Texas and Oklahoma. But uh, Commissioner Brett Vormark, I think, is playing this very, very well. And he's probably going to – it's just a prediction, okay? That's what we do on Big Noon Sports. But I think he is going to very carefully reach out, and he's going to bring a couple of Big 12 teams in. Uh, could he go get an Oregon? Boom! That's huge. Uh, you bring in a Washington? Uh, I, I know that geographically that's not really fitting at all, but Missouri's not really in the southeast, is it? But uh, I, I think that I am pushing Lars' agenda here because I think the pac is going to fall off the uh, ledge there in California. So, that being yeah. said, and uh, also, just, we'll just, take a break. Just, we'll just think how much... 
Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say, just just think how much leverage now Oregon and Washington have over the Pac-12 commissioner and all the Pac-12 teams, and and also you know Arizona State, Arizona. Um, yeah, it, it, it'll be it, look. The only constant right now in college football is that there's constant change, and it's going to keep changing. The landscape is is shifting under our feet every single day. I'll leave it up to you guys on the other side of this break how they're going to figure this out schedule-wise. Or maybe we can talk about a huge basketball game in this state, the Southeast, and now that Alabama's number three and has everybody's eyeballs, it'll be it'll be big nationally, and they'll tip it up 1 o'clock at Neville, Neville Arena there down at Auburn. We'll talk a little bit about that as we continue on Big Noon Sports. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside, this is Big Noon Sports. Hey guys, you're guaranteed to make her smile this Valentine's Day with one call to Stephanie's Flowers. They have roses, all kinds of floral arrangements, fresh cut flowers. 38, tomorrow cloudy and colder with periods of rain, the high 52, and Sunday, a clearing sky with a high at 53. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 57 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Hey, welcome back to Big Noon Sports. Josh, Joe, Aiden, Matt, Christian, and Lars. All together. Um, Hey, I was just looking at the Alabama-Auburn game. It is scheduled for 1 o'clock on ESPN. Tomorrow from Neville. Um, I want to ask you guys real quick, because I love to ask you questions you got no idea what to answer. Isn't that fair? Uh, Christian, what do you think it ta- costs for one single ticket, the the lowest price ticket in that game, basketball, SEC, at Auburn? Just take a take a guess. There are there are no right or wrong answers here. The lowest? Yeah, the lowest price in the arena. It's right here. It says tickets on sale as low as blank. I'll go one hundred and fifty. That's exactly what do you think, Laura? You're pretty close, both yeah, of you. Two hundred and two dollars. Okay. That's uh, okay. I think that's pretty cool. That um, speaks volumes. That's up there on Alabama and Auburn. Yeah, and, and you know. Uh, Auburn has done something that I, I think it took a lot of courage to do. Other, a few other schools uh, of that prominence had done it, and Auburn said, "Let's try it." But instead of adding seats and build, when they built a new arena, they subtracted them. And y'all correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Neville holds about ten thousand. Isn't that right? So yeah, by doing that, they the they get more. Yeah, they get more sellouts. You're on top of your opponent. And, it, by the way, it has worked very well uh, for Auburn University. So uh, I, I think that's a very, very cool thing. Uh, I expect Auburn and their fans to come out with knives, with uh, switchblades, with guns. I really don't need to be using weaponry as a, as a description here. Uh, they're going to come out uh, fighting like tigers. And I expect this to be an incredibly close game. 
But, Christian, I think late talent's going to prevail. And Alabama may pull away and win this game by 10. Am I, am I nuts over here at uh, Crawford? No, I mean, I, I think that that's fair to say. You know, Alabama obviously has uh, the more talented team. But, uh, look, going on the road and playing your rival uh, in their arena is, is no easy task. It's no easy feat. And uh, I think it's going to present some challenges. But at the end of the day, um, I, I agree with you. I think the talent's going to prevail. I mean, guys – uh, like Brandon Miller, who who you just expect to show up and show out. I think he's going to provide um, a, a, a lot for Alabama in this game. And then uh, you just look at the way the backcourt has been playing. They've been playing phenomenal as well. Sears and Quinterly have really been coming along. And um, you know, if those guys down inside can you know get get the boards and um, they can move the ball well, I, I mean, I don't have uh, any doubt that Alabama's not going to come away with this one and hopefully with a convincing victory because you know th- this one means a little bit more. Anytime you play against Auburn, it just means a little bit more. It doesn't matter the sport or the event; uh, it, it it just means a little bit more, Matt. It also, it, you know, it feels it like for yeah, for, Brand, for, Brand, for Brandon Miller, whenever the lights are the brightest, he shines the brightest. And this is a big game. Uh, you're going to have a national audience going against your rival. It just feels like a game where he could go off, you know, for 25, 30, 10 rebounds, six assists sort of thing. Um, I think uh, it, it's, it's, it's one of these games where your best players need to play their best. And I think we're going to see that tomorrow from um, from number 24. Hey, Matt, I just wanted to mention real quick before we go to break, that last night, the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2023 was announced. Um, and it's an interesting class in that uh, just for the second time, uh, or sorry, it's the first time since the league's merger in 1970 that um, four of the five slots for the modern era class went to defensive players. So you have uh, corners Rondé Barber and Darrell Rivas, outside linebacker Demarcus Ware, linebacker Zach Thomas, and then on the offensive side of the ball, you have uh, uh, tackle Joe Thomas, who is a 10-time Pro Bowl selection for the Browns. And also uh, from also selected for enshrinement were uh, Don Coriel. God, who can forget those Air Coriel offenses? Um, uh, Joe Klecko, a great defensive tackle for the Jets, who was a part of the sack exchange. Uh, linebacker Chuck Halley. And my personal favorite, cornerback Ken Riley, the snake. Or, or the Rattler, it was his nickname. Uh, he's only the second Bengal to make it into into the hall, joining uh, Anthony Munoz. Um, Christian, do any of those names surprise you? Uh, do, do you have any thoughts on any of the guys that, that made it in? I was always so impressed with Zach Thomas, just uh, coming out of uh, Texas Tech and, and you know not being the most physically gifted guy, but... Man, he was just a terror at playing middle linebacker for for Miami for all those years. He really was, Lars. And and Jason Taylor was one of my favorite players growing up with the Dolphins. And uh, obviously him and Zach were were teammates. And uh, they actually have a lot more in common. I think uh, they ended up being like brothers-in-laws. But, um, man, just a a great football player, hard-nosed guy. I mean, he just commanded the middle and uh he man he's well deserving i wouldn't say there's any surprises i think it's just it's just cool to see i mean a lot of these guys i kind of grew up watching as a kid you know i look at guys like ronde barber um my dad played with his brother tiki barber um so i got to see him a lot and then um demarcus Ware as a pass rusher everybody knows demarcus Ware. i mean his years in dallas i mean he was uh, arguably the best pass rusher in the league just so dominant uh, great combination of size and speed 
Um, just an athletic freak guy that has uh, Alabama ties, actually. Um, and then you, you just look at him when he goes to Denver, he's playing with a guy like Vaughn Miller and what he brought to that team. Um, so I think everybody on this list is deserving. Um, like I said, it's just it's just crazy to see. It just it shows that I'm finally starting to get a little older. All these guys that I grew up watching are now being inducted <laughs> in the Hall of Fame. So Cry me a river. Hey, hey, guys, I'm telling you, it's, it's weird. Look, LeBron just broke that scoring record, and I'm like, dang, how much longer are we going to have him? So... I'm getting old, guys. I'm, 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 I'm getting up there now. <laughs> I am a huge uh-huh. DeMarcus Ware fan. He was born in Auburn, Alabama. He stayed local. He played local at Troy. And then he went on to extend that hybrid position as an outside linebacker and excel. And every time I've ever seen him or heard him, he just handled himself with great class. So I'm a Ware guy. Good segment. Thanks for bringing that up. One Lars Anderson. We'll be back. Everyone knows time is money, so don't wait weeks for the IRS to send out your tax refund. Go to Jackson Hewitt instead for up to $3,500 with a no interest. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. Welcome back, Big Noon Sports. Christian Miller, Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter. Hope you're having a wonderful Friday afternoon, and that's a good thing in its own. It is Friday. I don't know if you got big plans for the Super Bowl, but I hope whatever you do, you do it safely and you have a blast and your team wins. Christian? Yeah, Matt. Got a uh, big-time guest here, former teammate of mine, one of my good friends. He's a, uh, a former star at Bowling Green and transferred here to Alabama where we play alongside each other. Uh, won SEC championship here. Went on and played for the Kansas City Chiefs where he won a Super Bowl there. Uh, got my guy, Garrick Dieter. What's going on, brother? How you been? Hell, man. What's going on? Can't call it. Can't call it. How's retirement going, man? How's life going? I know you, uh, you're happily married. Got a little little child, too. How's everything been? Good, man. Just uh, feel like I'm more busy now than, than I've ever been with two babies <laughs> and pickleball. And you kind of name it. I'm doing it around Kansas City right now. Radio shows. Kind of every, a little bit of everything, especially with Stuart Wolf going on right now. There's a lot of, a lot of things that I've been uh, invited to. And it's been fun, man. Kansas City is an awesome city. And can't beat Chiefs, uh, Chiefs fan, and and all the things that go out go on around here. No doubt, man. Love that you've had success there. And speaking on Kansas City, you know, you, you spent time here at Alabama. You, you know, spent time under Coach Saban. You know, what what were the differences? You know, from a program like Alabama, then going on to a, a, a you know a very prominent program or club, so to speak, in the Chiefs and uh, having success. You know, winning Super Bowls. What was it like making that transition from Alabama to Kansas City? And you know, just speak a little bit about your time there and, and the success that you guys had. Yeah, I feel like the good part for me was <laughs> kind of going to Alabama from Bowling Green because obviously that's a step up and. And things that you do, um, talent level, um, just kind of the way things are structured. Alabama's as close as a program you can get to an NFL franchise. So for me, it was that perfect uh, step up to go up and learn and go against the best players in the country and learn how to play special teams and learn all the, the ins and outs of having a real schedule and um, 
you know, once you get to the Chiefs, it was, I mean, it was, I'm not going to say it was easy, but it was very similar to how things happened at Alabama. Uh, practices were, were damn near the same. Um, talent level was damn near the same. So for me, that transition was um, easier than I thought it would be. Um, obviously, it's a, a step up when you're going against like the starters and stuff, but uh, I think anybody, any depth behind the starters, that level of talent is, I mean, at Bama, probably better at Bama than it is uh, in the NFL. So uh, for me, I was just extremely happy that I took that year and, and kind of learned uh, the ins and outs of going against those guys, how to use different te- techniques, because obviously I'm not as athletic as those guys. So uh, for me, it was that perfect, like I said, perfect transition year. And um, we obviously have had success since I've been with the Chiefs, um, retired last year, but Coach Reed is, I mean, one of he's. I mean, he's right there with Saban with being one of the best coaches ever in football. He he gets guys to buy into the program just like Saban does, and um, everybody plays for him. And I think that's uh, at the NFL level, especially something that just doesn't happen often. Yes, hoping. Could you expand on just that thought of um, comparing Andy Reid to Nick Saban? Do they have? Mm-hmm. What, what, what similarities do they have? Because if Andy Reid and the Chiefs win this Super Bowl, suddenly Andy Reid is in the discussion, I think, with some of the all-time greats. And yeah, uh, this could be a legacy cementing game for him. Not that, I mean, yeah. he's already a Hall of Famer. But yeah, if, you, for sure. if you could just co- compare the two for us. Yeah, they, I think they are. They, they definitely have their similarities. Um, obviously, like I said, getting guys to buy in and, and playing for a coach, it means a lot, especially when you have talent. Um, obviously, their main difference is Coach Reed's all offensive guy, and, and Saban's a defensive guy. So mm-hmm. you can kind of pick that one up and, and put it down. But um, other than that, I mean, they're—I was with Coach Reed uh, for five years, so I didn't really get that personal relationship with Saban. But Coach Reed is kind of as personable as it gets um, when talking to him and you don't feel intimidated by going up and having a real conversation with them outside of football. And that was always something I appreciated and respected about him. Um, Coach Saban, obviously I was only there for man six, seven months. So it was kind of hard to establish a relationship, especially being on the offensive side uh, when Saban's kind of doing everything with the guys like Steve Mill and, and the DB. So um, I wish I could have got some more time because I know Saban is kind of a, a guy that, players go up and talk to uh, outside of football. So uh, I would say, yeah, the main difference is obviously Saban's offense or Saban's a defensive guy, Coach Reed's offense, and uh, they get creative with how they do things. And um, they have a lot of coaching turnover. And uh, I feel like that's something that's I talked about that yesterday on the show is something that's not really talked about as much as it should be with Saban is that coaching turnover, um, having new assistants, new coordinators every single year, but still – being the same dominant program, um, that speaks volumes to, to how he operates in his system. Kansas City Royals wide receiver retired and former Alabama wideout as well. Garrick Dieter is our is our guest here on Big Noon Sports. A uh, couple of questions kind of um, off the dirt road here or up the dirt road, so to speak. Garrick, what is it? Is there a nature? Is there a reason? Is it a Lou thing with your first name? And then really, yep. more importantly, Give us something on the inside about Christian Miller we don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, my name is uh, named after Lou Gehrig. My dad's a uh, big-time baseball fan. We're all named after Yankee guys. And, well, my, me and my younger brother are named after Yankees, and my older brother's named after Nolan Ryan. So 
big time uh my dad's big time baseball guy and we grew up playing it and kind of just transitioned into football when it kind of took over everything um and then let's say something about christian miller uh he's he's a pretty good uh disc golf player we, uh <laughs> that's something that we did in the, the yeah little frost sessions we we went out uh, a few guys on the team went to a couple parks in tuscaloosa and uh had a lot of fun <clears throat> spend some time outside of the building uh bonding and building relationships and i think that's why christian miller said today that we're still good friends and uh you know those things that uh, i think are overlooked when it comes to successful teams and programs is hanging out outside of the building and building relationships and getting to know each other uh, on a personal level. No doubt, man. I, I, like I said, I've always appreciated guys like you, just genuine, genuine teammates, man, that we, we can hang out outside, whether we're, you know, golfing or frothing. You know, I can't even remember whose idea it was to froth. It might have been Cornwell. You know, <laughs> David Cornwell was uh, up to a lot of those ideas uh, back oh, yeah. then. <laughs> but speaking about bonding with teammates, you know, you're pretty close with, with Pat uh, Mahomes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, everybody gets to see, you know, this – uh, spectacular football player, phenomenal quarterback, but, you know, give us a little, you know, insight on like, you know, what's he, what is he like? And, you know, what kind of goes into his preparation of uh, being that phenomenal football player? Clearly he's a talented guy, but I'd imagine he's an extremely hard worker as well. Yeah. I think that's something that um, you see on a daily basis with him is once the season hits and even in the off season, he's, uh, he's pretty much football all day long. And like I said, when that season hits, he's first one there, last one to leave type guy. And, he does everything in his power to to be prepared for games, and um, obviously you see it. His chemistry with Kels, especially um, those guys, have a. I mean, it's, it's dynamic what they can do on a football field. I don't think there's really ever been anything like it, um, and that just comes from preparation. And he's he's as competitive as it gets, uh, no matter what he's doing, uh, whatever what sport um, it could be. I mean, we could be doing a trivia game, and he's as competitive as it gets, but. Um, he's a solid guy, man. He's he's as normal as it goes. Um, I think that's why we got along so well. Is we are just two guys that very similar personalities that just like to talk about sports and and hang out. And um, I think that's what a lot of people notice about him, and that's what a lot of people say is when they actually meet him and hang out with him for the first time. It's like, man, past past super normal, and that's something that I think is very well respected with him and. For a guy that's as popular and as famous as he is to kind of be as normal as it, I think that speaks volumes to, to his character and, and to the type of guy he is. Uh, Garrett, two two quick questions for you. One, uh, where is your Super Bowl ring? And did you ever flash that 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 bling out uh, when you get, you go out on the town there in Kansas City? And two, um, what's life like on on the practice squad? I mean, I, I know that you were elevated a few times, and, and but also spent time on the practice squad. Um, I, I know that when I'm writing stories on a NFL player, I love to talk to the practice squad guys because yep. uh, they're there observing and they really are, are are into it. And I've actually wanted to write a book about practice squad players and what life is like. But what was your experience? Yeah, uh, my Super Ring. I've I've won that thing a couple times. Um, it's, they make them so big these days that it's like almost impossible to wear out in public. So I've I've worn it a couple times for uh, my high school retirement, and uh, actually randomly wore it yesterday because I was requested by some of the guys wanting to see it. So wore that thing. Um, I keep it keep it in a safe in the house, and it doesn't get pulled out too often. But it's always cool to randomly pull it out and just I mean 
as a player, as a football player especially, that's that's everybody's goal is to win a Super Bowl and just to be a part of that team. And obviously, I was on practice squad. That was kind of my role um, all all five years with the Chiefs, up and down on on P squad. And I mean, it's, it's definitely a uh, a different position. And I got so used to it that um, I just knew what coaches wanted and uh, knew how to give great looks and knew kind of how to approach things. Um, I was feel like I was kind of like the leader on practice squad, so taking on the rookies that came in that were on peace squad, trying to just teach them the ways of, Hey, like this is, this is our job. We have to do everything in our power to get these guys ready to play on Sundays. And if we lose a game, we have to take the blame because we didn't give a good enough look. And that's something I took a lot of pride in is teaching, teaching young guys just how to practice and how to be really a professional. Um, it's, <clears throat> it's just, it's so much different than actually playing in the games because you have to treat practice and you have to just kind of be, uh, the guy that some of the starters can look at and it's like, all right, this guy's going to do great work for me and, and get me ready as much as he can for the game. And that's something I was always <clears throat> took a lot of pride in is just going out there and, and working hard every single day. And you don't get the luxury of if you have an injury or uh, you have something that's a little bit off, you have to kind of just push through that and, and be prepared because, I mean, those guys are relying on you. There's only, well, now there's 15 practice squad guys, but my first two years there's only 10 guys so you kind of had to give an offensive look and sometimes you had to go hop on defense and special teams and there's a lot that goes into it but um that was something like I said took a lot of pride in and and that was that was my role with the Chiefs was that's probably what I'm remembered as as a practice squad guy and like I said got called up a few times and playing in the games there's nothing like that but um I took uh I took a lot of those practices and acted like they were they were my game uh, it tells me one thing uh, above all else. Andy Reid must have respected the hell out of you. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's obvious when you look at your numbers and the number of times they brought you back, and that's because you knew you knew and did your job. Okay. Yeah. On a lighter note, uh, where will you watch the Super Bowl? And like, what's your kind of favorite side? What's your dish that you go to? I was just texting with my wife to figure out what we're kind of doing for a Super Bowl and. Sounds like we're just going to kind of hang out at our house and enjoy it by ourselves. And that's kind of the way I like to watch football games anyway, is just chilling and grab some pizza, wings, uh, you name it, uh, that all that, that junk food and just really just sit back and enjoy it. Um, you know, you can watch your friends out there play at a high level and do some great things. It's always fun to watch, but yeah, we, uh, we're kind of feel like, especially with such little kids, it's like almost impossible to go out and do anything, but. There's a uh, tonight. I'm going to a pep rally, kind of being a part of a pep rally down in Power and Light District, which is downtown Kansas City. If you ever see some of those uh, clips that they show on uh, anything that deals with a big Kansas City sporting event, they always kind of show like a big crowd. It'll be up there. So me and uh, Anthony Sherman, a former fullback for the Chiefs, will be down there trying to get the get the get the crowd hype, get the city going a little bit before Super Bowl, and just uh, the amount of excitement that the Chiefs bring this city and the amount of pride that they, the fans have is, is unmatched. I mean, it's, it rivals Alabama. But everybody loves the Chiefs so much here, and um, it's, it's as close as a college atmosphere as you can get on game day, and I think that's something that uh, everybody thinks is so special about this place. Man, I can't tell you how appreciative I am to have you on here, man. I know it's been a while, but Definitely going to have to catch up again soon. But before I let you go, give us a quick little yeah. score prediction. I know you got the Chiefs, obviously. You, got, you can't go yeah. against your team, but uh, give us a little score prediction. I'm, I'm rooting for Jalen. I'm rooting for Pat, obviously. And yeah. I just want to watch a good game. Um, I, my, 
my prediction all week's been 27, 24 Chiefs, and mm. I just, I just, I just don't want this thing to be a blowout. I don't want it to be a, a boring game, and that's what every fan outside of the uh, the two teams that are playing in it hopes for. So that's uh, that's my attitude towards it. Let's just get a good game, and hopefully both uh, both quarterbacks play well, and it's a uh, back and forth uh, crazy game. No doubt, brother. We'll tell hey, you. what's your other what's your other uh, brother's name? That's a Yankee. Uh, Thurman. Thurman Munson. Mm. <laughs> so, nice. hey, awesome. uh, yeah, we're we're all in on the Yankees. And I'm still one of the, <laughs> the biggest Yankees fans around. So, nice. Well, man, hey, how can people follow you? you- you mentioned the race. I'm stepping on you. No, That's probably good. what you're asking too, Chris. Yeah, I, gonna... yeah I just I want to make sure people can follow him. Yeah, no, just uh, just straight my name on on all social media. So Gary Dieter, and um, I'm pretty active on social media, and I'll be posting some some fun fun clips from tonight. So make sure you uh, follow and, and stay up to date. Man, I appreciate you coming on, Gary. Tell Meg and two little girls, give them my best, and uh, we'll definitely have to catch up again soon. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Appreciate you, Steve, Mel. Yes, sir. Always. Garrick Dieter there, Super Bowl champion, former Alabama receiver. Appreciate his time. We'll be back shortly on Big Noon Sports. This is Big Noon Sports with Lars, Matt, and Christian. Paying not attorney spokesperson, the settlement specialist is responsible for the content of the ad. Attention all women who use popular hair straighteners or relaxers like Motion, Dark and Lovely, Olive Oil Relaxer, or Organic Root Stimulator. If you are... 38. Tomorrow, cloudy and colder with periods of rain, the high 52. And Sunday, a clearing sky with a high at 53. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 59 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Welcome in back to Big Noon Sports. Wow, what a nice afternoon. A little on the chilly side, not really that bad. I mean, it's just long sleeve shirt weather, isn't it? Hey, you got to uh, always want to stop for just a minute during every show and thank the guys like Joe Gaither and Aiden and Josh for what they do for this show. The uh, Let me tell you, the components of putting this show on the radio and then, uh, you know, streaming our website are pretty complicated. And there are times it gets all twisted around, and they just do a very skilled job in trying to. <laughs> and by the way, then they have to deal with Christian, Matt, and Lars. So all <laughs> all that considered a a a, a, a butt of the head, butt butt of the helmet, Christian. That's right. And we also got to give a big thanks to our good friends over at the Good Feet Store. The new year is in motion, but are you? Is pain keeping you from living the life you love? The Good Feet Store's art supports are designed to improve your performance and alleviate, even eliminate that foot, knee, hip, or back pain. I can attest to that. Again, playing football for all these years definitely leaves you with some aches and pains. And these art supports have been wonderful for me. Uh, and, and again, they have the deal going on right now where you can get a premium pair of shoes free with a qualified purchase, which is a $140 value. You go in there, it's try before you buy. You have nothing to lose. Go let them fit you for some art supports. Feel how they uh, feel on your feet. I'm telling you, you will not be disappointed. So go in there and experience that first-class customer service that they have. That's my favorite part about them. Such great, genuine people over at the Good Feet Store. Again, you can find them in Midtown Village in Tuscaloosa. Again, that's the Good Feet Store. Go check them out today. You know what also hurts your feet? 
and Matt can attest to this, is getting old. <laughs> I need to go to oh, yeah. the store and and get, please I need, I, be I my guest ASAP because it's like you know you're getting old when you wake up in the morning and your feet hurt like it, it's just uh it's just a, a thing that happens and you, you had the Achilles injury too Laura so that might play a role too so you really yeah, could benefit it, 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 you're, you're totally right it it it, it, it affected my gait and then when, once you're uh of how you walk then that actually impacts, you know, the, the arches of your feet, and uh, it's still an issue. All right, guys, I want to play a little little game here. Uh, I want to go over some of the players who are now eligible for the first time to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2024. So these are guys who um, uh, are just going to be – they'll be five years removed from the league. I believe that's the criteria and I want you to tell me if you think they are in right away or in eventually or they won't make it. All right. So, and and I'll, we'll go. All right, I tell you what. Give me the old guys. Give me the old guys. <laughs> you can give Christian. Um, okay. No, this is a good game. Yeah, Let's okay. go. So, th- this is, these are the first-time eligibles. Uh, Julius Peppers. Oh, in, in. in. I'm not even just, I'm just in. I'll speak for both of us. So you, and you actually know. And I'll let him. <laughs> yeah, I've, 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 guy, I've met. Yeah, I met him. Uh, I met him with the Panthers. He is phenomenal. Uh, on, well, obviously on the field, but off the field, great guy. He does a lot of work in the community down there, and he's very involved uh, with the Panthers to this day. Um, so humble. Um, you see him at practice a lot. Just such a great guy. But yes, indeed, one hundred percent. You think he's first ballot? Didn't he also so. play basketball? He did. Did he play for he Dean did. Smith? Wow. He did. Yeah, incredible athlete. Another incredible athlete, Antonio Gates, tight end for the Chargers. In, Oof. I, I say in Matt. What do you think? Oh, the tight end. Uh, I mean, boy, it, he would be more of a borderline than Peppers. Um, maybe uh, not. Maybe not right away. Maybe not right away. But I mean, not. he. he yeah, I how, might let him season. How long did he play? He played years. Yeah, and and wasn't he kind of the first basketball player to be to go from? hoops to playing tight end at a really high level i think so uh, no there was there was another guy from california uh, oh, i think Tony he played gonzalez. with the broncos no. yes that's it that's it yeah oh, i think he go. was but yeah well, he played his whole career with the uh, the chargers i think oh three to 2018 antonio gates played tight end for the chargers i mean that... they should get in for that alone <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's not <laughs> you can stick with one program one club man hats off to you Especially that long. Um, okay, now this is a, a really interesting case uh, here, and that's Eric Berry, mm. uh, who overcame so much, including, uh, if I remember correctly, it was the cancer scare, missed a year, and then and then came back, and and, and we remember how uh, amazing he was at Tennessee, and then uh, for the Chiefs, just a, a remarkable safety. Do you think he's in? Hmm. I- I hate to say this. Oh, I just don't. Uh, I don't know if I. He's deserving, yeah. But I, I just have a feeling because like, I think he plays. I'm looking at 2010-18, three um, time first team All Pro, five time Pro Bowler, comeback Player of the Year in 2015. I, I don't know, Matt. If if I think he he has a great argument, but I just don't know if I see it. Yeah, you know you're, you you want to lean in that direction, especially if you're an SEC person. And you remember him at Tennessee. That's right. Because when he was playing safety 
oftentimes you could include both teams. He was the best player on the field. He was that good. Mm-hmm. I think he was the SEC player of the year for defense maybe once, if not twice. Yeah, he was. But, okay, there I go on my little spiel. I'm saying no. Yeah, Lars, I, you're I, not I, answering, I, by the way. I, I, come on, Alex Trebek. you got to answer, too. I just don't think there's an, enough body. The, the, the body of work just isn't expansive enough. Uh, as much as you want – uh, him to be in because of his remarkable story. I'm just not sure. Another player I'm not sure about, but who's eligible now, Brandon Marshall, wide receiver, uh, played with the, um, uh, the Denver Broncos for a while, played with uh, the Chicago Bears, uh, sort of an outspoken guy. I always liked him very much. Uh, do you think I, – I, look, he's not going to get in first ballot. But do you think uh, that he could eventually get in? Mm. Yeah. I don't think so. I, I'm gonna jump I in there, Christian. I, I, um, well, he was only—he's a first-team All-Pro and, once, uh, second-team once. I mean, he's a six-time Pro Bowler, um, great receiver. You know, he, he has a podcast. It's great to listen to if you haven't heard it. Very interesting. But I don't—I don't, I, I might have to say no on this one. Okay, here's another really interesting one, and that is Jamar Charles, um, running back out of Texas, went to Kansas City, and just was amazing. For five years, he was healthy, and in those five years, he averaged, and this is in the NFL, 5.5 yards per attempt, nearly 1,300 yards per uh, receiving, or I'm sorry, 1,300 yards rushing per season, and then he was a great receiving threat out of the backyard, or the backyard, the backfield. Uh, <laughs> do you guys both think? Yeah. Do you guys think he makes it in eventually? Uh, oh, I mean, this is like two-time uh, first-team All-Pro, one-time second-team, uh, four-time Pro Bowler, NFL rushing leader in 2013. I mean. Uh, I just, I, there's an argument there. I just don't know if I see it. All right. Lars uh, said something a minute ago that, you know, there's just so many other guys. Right. Uh, and then, you know, he's kind of on the cut line, and, and I'm agreeing here once again with Christian Miller. Okay. So we know that Adam Vinatieri is probably going to be first ballot Hall of Famer, right? Uh, and uh, is there another, I know there's another kicker in the hall of fame. Ray guy is a punter. He's in the hall of fame. Um, I'm actually not sure if there's another kicker in the hall of fame, but, uh, this is all preamble. Sebastian Janikowski, the great left foot footed kicker out of Florida state, uh, always looked like, uh, you know, he could pound about a case of beer before the game and then go out and hit a 65 yard field goal. Um, (laughs) do you think he eventually makes it in? I, I don't because I think Vinatieri is going to take his slot and and it, it's as a kicker it's just so hard to make it in. I'll leave that one to Matt. Wow. Um. Why? Because I can have a case of beer. And nobody know it. <laughs> no, uh, I don't. I don't know enough uh, about him. <laughs> I'd be more likely. I'd be more likely to kick a sixty-five yard field goal after. As opposed, uh, <laughs> I liked the guy. He was also extremely colorful on and off the field, and leg strength was not lost on him. All that being said, Lars, probably not. Do you have more? Because this is fun. At yeah, least it I, is for I Christian only have, and myself. I only have one more. Uh, one more okay, say, let, let's get that before the break. I saved the, the most interesting one for last, and that is Andrew Luck. 
quarterback mm. out of Stanford, had a great career with the Colts. Um, a lot of people said when he was coming out of Stanford that he was the best pro prospect uh, they'd ever seen at the quarterback position. And then he ended up walking away early because of uh, injuries, constant injuries, and the fear of not being able to lead a normal life as these injuries built up. And it wasn't one particular injury. It was just a, a, a series of them. Um, and, uh, but when he, when he was playing, I mean, talk about the prototypical quarterback, uh, Christian. Yeah. You know, I just, I don't, I don't know. I know he retired a little early and, and I, that's not just that. I mean, I just see, you know, four-time pro bowler. I don't know if he was ever an all pro. Um, I don't think he won a super bowl. So I, I hate to say it, but I don't, I don't think so. It's like you compare him to a guy like Luke Keekley who also retired a little early, but the difference between those two is you look at Luke Keekley, uh, he was a five time first team all pro, seven time pro bowler. And those, I'm pretty sure that was all consecutively NFL defensive rookie of the uh, year, NFL defensive player of the year. Um, so if we're comparing guys who retired early that deserves a nod, I think Luke Keekley would be more of a deserving uh, fit than Andrew Luck. He played seven yeah. years. Well, yeah. Which, yeah, we I say, don't we know say anybody early. other than early. Gale Sayers. <laughs> we say early, but seven years is still a great, uh, great period of time in the National Football oh. League. <laughs> but I get it for the yeah, Hall of but Fame. I don't that know is if short. It, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think Gale Sayers is the only guy to get in there with uh, that many years. Or uh, He may have gotten in under, in six, but he was a- exceptional in so many ways. I'm going again with my man Christian Miller, and I'm saying he's not going to make it, not this year or ever. Yeah, I, I don't think he's going to make it either. Um, I several years ago, while he was still playing, I did a, wrote about a four thousand word piece on Andrew. Really fascinating guy. Um, when he'd be riding on the team bus, he'd have his head buried in a book, and um, and, and Matt Hasselbeck was the backup at the time. And and one time he, just, he Matt was like, "What are you reading? What are you reading?" And Andrew holds up the book. It was the history of concrete. <laughs> so he's wow. he's a, he's big into architecture, and so every time he'd go and play in a new stadium, he would just be like, he'd just look around at the architecture of the stadium and would talk architecture with everybody. And he also had a flip phone until uh, about probably last year. Uh, he just didn't care. He's a very unique individual, but I believe he's he's really at peace now with uh, with walking away from the game when he did. You know, when you uh, hold up a book that says the history of concrete, you're going to guarantee that you have the seat next to you. Maybe that was his whole motive. You think? Uh, his dad was a cool guy. Still is. Uh, uh, did a lot in administration and management in both college and professional football. Uh, we're going to take a break. Be right back with more Big Noon Sports. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. And Doug. Hey, listener. Welcome to Lemu's Karaoke Lounge, where Liberty Mutual customizes your car insurance so you only pay for what you need, and the music never stops. Back on Big Noon Sports, it's Matt, Lars, and Christian. Uh, just a quick note in the, oh, 
Did I see that coming, department? Michael Irvin has now filed a $100 million lawsuit against Marriott, the hotel, in which uh, the incident occurred after he had a few drinks. This one's going to go on for a while. I will note this. NFL Network canceled all of his appearances. And not only that, they asked him to move hotels. Wow. Mm. All that based on a one-minute conversation. Man. There also, one report is, there is a video close enough to the actual conversation that has audio. So yeah. why don't we just play that now and get past it? Come on. Come on. Anyway, <laughs> Lars. Yeah, uh, the, the the plot thickens a little bit on on that, and um, no kidding. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, okay, so Christian, I wanted to get your analysis of how each defensive coordinator uh, is going to try to stop the other team's offense. And and, and first off, I, I want to start with the Kansas City defense. What makes the RPO game, the run-pass option, which is a staple of what Philly does with, with Jalen, what makes it so hard to defend, and, and what defenders does it stress most uh, when they are running the RPO? Yeah, that's a great question, Lars. So uh, the RPO, which stands for run-pass option, is difficult to, to defend um, because it's exactly that. It's a run-pass option. Um, it's pretty unique. It, it's basically several plays packed into to one, right? And um, then it it, uh, it uh, evolves from there into they can you know run it out of so many different formations and personnel and and make it look different, dress it up, dress it down. Um, so it's really just so much to defend in one, and that's what puts a lot of stress on the defense. Particularly, you know, the inside linebackers have a tough time. Um, diagnosing it because again in football you're reading keys right you look at pre-snap things first and foremost but uh, ultimately you know post-snap you're reading your keys right so inside linebacker typically um, is keying the guards on the offensive line and he's seeing through the guards to the backfield um, but first and foremost you look at that 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 offensive lineman key right and if it's high hat you're you're you know expecting pass if it's a low you know downhill block you know expecting run and you know you have to you know play the pullers and whatnot with all that being said though with the rpo um it can the the, the offensive line is basically giving you a running look right they're they're low it's a low hat they're driving uh blockers but Jalen can choose to pull the football depending on what he sees and, and it now is a pass play so those linebackers who initially reacted against the run they're coming up. They're going to attack a guard. Well, now they're leaving a window behind them for a quick slant to uh, get hit right behind them. So that's what makes it difficult to defend. Um, and then that's what the Kansas City Chiefs are going up against. They're going up against a team that is primarily a heavy zone running team um, that will have plenty of RPOs at their disposal, um, as well as quarterback design runs for Jalen, which he's very effective in those as well. So there's a lot of things that you have to account for when you go against the Eagles offense. And then uh, to top all of that, you have you know two really dynamic receivers in uh, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith who make all type of um, acrobatic catches, um, those phenomenal back back shoulder throws by Jalen that, that these guys are toe tapping on the sideline. Uh, Smitty's going up, jumping about 30 feet in the air, it looks like, to catch passes. So um, it, it's just so explosive, so dynamic, and it's so difficult to defend. So, but with that being said, if I'm the Kansas City Chiefs, um, first and foremost, you got to you got to control the line of scrimmage. You know, you have to stop the run. You have to you have to try to neutralize that running game of the Eagles because that's where they excel. And once they get that running game going, it it 
you hear us say it all the time. We sound like a broken record, me and my dad. But you know, the running game opens up the passing game, and when the Eagles are effective on the ground, it opens up their their passing game, and it allows Jalen to really excel. And he he really just it's like opening Pandora's box. They're 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 hitting you with the, the running game. They're throwing the ball, and once they get going, they're they're very tough to stop. So I think you have to neutralize the run and try to make Jalen force him to make those throws. Yes, he can make those throws, but. Um, it, it's a lot more difficult when a team is one-dimensional, and I think that's what the Chiefs need to do. And if, if they can get Jalen in those third and long situations, that'll help. So I think they really need to uh, hunker down on first and second down and set themselves up uh, on third down. And when they get a chance to rush, they need to they need to be aggressive. They need to be effective. They need to try to affect him. Um, it's a big game, a big moment, and so anything they can do to really put pressure on him and you know force air throws, make him make you know some some bad decisions, make him have to throw on the run. Um, all those things kind of uh, lower the the completion percentages for a quarterback. So you got guys like Chris Jones who had a, a hell of a game against the Cincinnati Bengals, one of the best defensive tackles in the NFL. You got uh, Frank Clark on the edge, one of the best uh, edge rushers. So those guys have to step up big. They have to play big, and uh, this is when it matters the most. And uh, as well as the secondary, they have their hands full going against A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Um, but the Chiefs, they they do have a pretty good secondary, um, and and so it's it's going to be a good matchup. But if I had to say, you know, my my keys for them, it's first and foremost stopping the run, getting pressure on Jalen, and hopefully forcing him to uh, make some errors, and and that, that could potentially lead to turnovers, which would be huge for them. Great stuff. Uh, let's do the Eagles D on the other side of this break. You're listening to Big Noon Sports with the usual cast of characters here on a Friday afternoon as the Super Bowl approaches. They say 5.30 kickoff. As uh, my experience would tell me, it's going to be more like 5.38 for those of you that want to cut it down to just kickoff. And, uh, by the way, the preseason shows started last night. Probably did. Uh, We'll be back with more Big Noon Sports. This is Big Noon Sports with Lars, Matt, and Christian. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Wendy's homestyle French toast sticks are so delicious, some are saying that they're better than their mom's breakfast. Excuse me, did you just say Wendy's French toast sticks are better than my... 38. Tomorrow, cloudy and colder with periods of rain, the high 52. And Sunday, a clearing sky with a high at 53. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 60 degrees in Tuscaloosa. I'm not the only one. Well, I just wanted to say man to man. I'm sorry. Cool. <laughs> and, uh, it's a reporter apologizing to Jalen Hurts. I'm not sure I got the gist of that, Lars. Can you put a uh, a, a, what you, a magnifying glass on this? He a, a reporter uh, apologizing yeah. to Jalen Hurts for what? The reporter says, I got to admit, I didn't think the Eagles would get to the Super Bowl with you as their quarterback. And Jalen responded, you're not the only one. The reporter said, so I just want to tell you man to man, I'm sorry. And Jalen says, cool. Okay, this to me in a 25-second nutshell is what is wrong with sports journalism. This reporter made it all about himself. 
he's so important that he has to take Well, I, I will say that's some good timing there. Yeah. <laughs> you back, Lars? Who's the biggest off? Well, let me make an executive call here. Pot Lars down and Christian Miller up. Are you familiar <laughs> with the situation? I was not, but I, I will say I, I understand what Lars is saying about making it about himself. Hot him down. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I will say I do respect the reporter for owning up to that. Uh, did he have to say that? Probably not, because uh, I'm almost positive Jalen probably had no clue who he was or what he said initially. I think Jalen's so locked in on the exactly. game, and I mean that in a respectful way. I just I, I highly doubt Jalen is uh, going back and looking for receipts on who supported him and who didn't right now, um, knowing him and his preparation and dedication. But I, I respect the reporter for being a man, owning up to it, saying, "Hey." Um, I made a mistake. I I, uh, I doubted you, and I was wrong. Um, so I, I give him respect for that. But did he need to let it be known? Probably not. Not at all. Because if every reporter that made a prediction had to apologize for being wrong, we'd have no time for questions. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, and and, uh, and by the way, uh, I have I had maybe one incident in 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 my career where I, I felt like I might have done something that crossed the line, I pulled the individual aside and personally had a conversation. There you go. If you do it in the middle of a news conference, you're doing exactly what Lars said. Hey, look at me. Look how respectful I'm being to the guy that finished second in the MVP and got him to the Super Bowl. Hey, everybody, look at me. That's what it screamed. But I guess that's, uh, that's just Matt and a little re bit of reporter. But uh, Christian, you're right. Uh, he did it, but uh, probably it really wrong time. Was not yeah. necessary. Yeah, wrong yeah. time to do yeah. it. Yeah, well, it's not a wrong time, and because of what Lars said, if you're trying to bring a lot of attention to yourself, and you know what we've just done, gave him more, giving him a lot of attention. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Okay, uh, you did such a great job of this just a moment ago, but you only got about two minutes here. Uh, Philly's defense, uh, break it down. All right. Real quick, we're going to speed through this. Uh, I'm looking at Hassan Reddick, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, that Eagles defensive line going against the Chiefs offensive line. I mean, they, they, the Eagles have the best pass rush in the NFL this, this season, led by Hassan Reddick. We saw the havoc that they, 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 they were wreaking against uh, the, the 49ers. I mean, these guys were unblockable, and basically had, the 49ers had no time to throw the football. So if they can get that type of pressure on Mahomes, that's definitely going to um, be critical in giving them a chance to, to be successful in winning the Super Bowl. But you look at a guy like Travis Kelsey and his connection with Pat Mahomes. When they are having a strong connection and, and they're making all those um, uh, nice catches in the red zone and just those critical third downs, it seems like Travis Kelsey always shows up somehow. He's always open. And you talk about a team like the Eagles, they've kind of struggled in the middle of their defense, right? And, and, and part of that reason is, I mean, you look at a tight end like Travis Kelsey, he's just a mismatched nightmare. Typically, a linebacker, a strong safety is going to be responsible for covering a tight end. Well, Travis Kelsey is, you know, too, too athletic and, and runs too good of routes and, uh, to, to put a linebacker on him. But then he's he's too big of a body for a defensive back to cover him, and not to mention he's just phenomenal, uh, arguably the best tight end in the game. So 
think the keys for the Eagle, Eagles uh, in the Super Bowl are to get pressure on Mahomes, really affect him, get him off his spot, make a move around the pocket, make those uh, tough throws. But really, if you could neutralize Travis Kelce, he's their best receiver. You know, they don't have the, the same type of receiver talent that we've seen in the past. I know they do have guys like Juju Smith-Schuster, and, and they have the guy from Georgia, Michael Harmon. Um, and they got the rookie Pacheco at running back. Um, but their running game has been pretty average so far. The receivers uh, haven't you know, played up to the standard that Tyreek Hill, we've seen the way him and Mahomes really could stretch the field. So I think if they can really neutralize Travis Kelsey, they can do a good job uh, getting pressure on Mahomes and, and really living up to that that uh, nasty pass rush that we've seen throughout the season. I think that gives them a chance. You know, the, the Chiefs offense still is very high powered. I mean, they, they rank first in yards per play, first in points per game. Um, so they're going to go out there and be explosive and effective. Uh, but the Chiefs, they, they have the talent on defense from front to, to back uh, to get the job done. It's just a matter of going out there and executing, not letting the moment be too big, play how they play. And I think that gives them a really good chance in this game. I truly think and also hope uh, that it's going to be like uh, someone predicted earlier, 27-24. I think Garrick did that. So, uh, yeah, it, it would be. Um but I am uh, openly pulling for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, and I'll tell you, that Jalen Hurts has a lot to do with that. But so does Landon Dickerson. You know, there are four players from Alabama on that team. So. You have a score prediction Let's real quick, little... Matt? Anything? Uh, why, not, why not just copy Gehrig and say 27-24? <laughs> that sounds good. Eagles. Eagles. What is this? A part Yeah, yeah I, I, I say 31-27 maybe. 31-27. I'm going to go with the Chiefs, though, unfortunately. I'm going to say Chiefs, 31-27. Well, a lot of times it comes down to a quarterback. I know, I know. I, I we love know, we know who the best is. Yeah, and, uh, yeah but, I mean, in, in a game, uh, you want Mahomes as your quarterback. I don't really want that the last thing I say. Going in the Super Bowl. Go Eagles. How about <laughs> there, that? There you go. <laughs> I cover up my mistake there. Cat in a little box. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh. Great job. Uh, Dieter was a great guest, and always your dad is, too. I hope everyone has a really good weekend. Um, And uh, eat the food and the drinks and everything that you want. Have a blessed weekend and a great Super Bowl. We'll talk Monday on Big News. Getting your guaranteed maximum refund with TaxLayer feels like... Saddling up and chasing down... 